And you would agree that that's what our hearts should be doing this morning. Say a hearty amen. amen. You have your Bibles, if you'll turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, the 16th verse will serve as a springboard into this morning's message. If there's ever been a verse that will take the strut out of a preacher, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. Penned by the great Apostle Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He simply says, though I would preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, and woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. In my soon-to-be 45 years of ministry, it is now not uncommon maybe for a young whippersnapper to say to me in front of taking the pulpit on a given upcoming Sunday morning, do you got any advice? And my advice is always the same. Son, just preach the gospel. I want to take my own advice this morning, and this the first service of crusade And I want to preach the gospel around the subject of questions surrounding Calvary. Questions surrounding Calvary. Now for us to effectively do this, we're going to need to take a journey in that of our sanctified imaginations. The time is going to be long, long ago Could I tell you, dear friend, that the setting, well, it's somewhat different than that of our day. And then finally, the very place in which we're assembling is Jerusalem. Can you imagine 2,000 plus years ago, our first stop is at the upper room. Judas has already been excused as the betrayer. Jesus is endeavoring to minister some comfort and consolation to his bewildered eleven. And he simply says, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. Now I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, listen, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know, and suddenly we see a hand go up. Jesus calls him Thomas. The other of the disciples call him the doubter. And contemporary America knows him best as the doubting Thomas. But I believe that he raised his hand based upon the first word out of his mouth, and that was Lord. You see, uh, this the doubting Thomas uh, knew that he was not to speak until Jesus was through. And so I believe he raised his hand in the upper room saying, may I have permission to speak? And when Jesus gave him the go-ahead, he said, Lord, we know not whether thou goest. Question number one. How can we know the way? And comes from Jesus the resounding answer, I am the way. 
Without Him, there's no going. I am the life. Without Him, there's no knowing. And I am the truth. And without Jesus, there is no knowing. How many of you know that Jesus is the way to go, the truth to know, the life to show? How many of you know that Jesus is the way to God, the truth about God, and ultimately Jesus is the expressed life of Almighty God Himself? I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man goes to the Father except by me. I'm grateful for a conservative church such as Exciting Southeast that takes, you're too narrow-minded, as a compliment. Because as was our Lord, He said, enter in at the straight gate. Wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be that go in thereat, but straight the gate and narrow the way that leads to life. And few... There be that find it. Early January of 2020, tragedy came to the Burden home when the daddy and the husband, Brian Burden, on a Monday morning was working out on a treadmill in his garage and collapsed of a heart attack and passed before his wife got there. Could I tell you his sweet wife, Krista, who knew the Lord Jesus... If she was here today, she would have me tell you, before my husband died, I thought my husband was my best friend. But since my husband passed, I've been reminded, Jesus is my best friend. Since then, she's been diagnosed with amyloids. It is a blood disorder. It is a cancer. It's not even treatable in the state of Oklahoma. She has to fly back and forth to Rochester, to Mayo Clinic. Hosting her is her older sister, Sherry. Then after the fact, when she's home, every Monday she has to go to Tulsa for that of chemo treatments. But can I tell you, in the midst of it all, she's understood something. Jesus is more, she would say, the necessary, she'd tell you, Jesus is enough. And because of that, she's been very bold in sharing her faith. First of all, with her older sister, who's been kind enough to make those trips to Rochester with her and to drive her every Monday over to take her treatments in Tulsa. And it wasn't but just a short while ago that she called and said, Pastor, would you mind if Sherry and I came and paid you a visit? I'd like for you to pray over me. And so they showed up and certainly we prayed over Krista regarding her health. And then she got down to where the rubber meets the road. And she said, let me tell you what we're really here about. My older sister Sherry is ready to be saved. And I watched her older sister Sherry take her by the hand and she raised up her younger sister Krista's hand and said, Preacher, I want what my sister's got. And she found out it wasn't what but was who. And in my office she repented and gave her life to Christ. Now, two weeks later, her husband Ed was saved. I got to baptize both of them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Blessed Holy Spirit. And then just this last Sunday morning, Easter Sunday morning, 
Her son, Ty, is a regular, regular church member at First Southern Baptist Church, Dale City, Oklahoma. And after the pastor had preached and finished the invitation and offered a benediction prayer, while the people were leaving, Ty ran down his father-in-law and he said to him, Listen, I'm on the church roll, but I don't have my name in Heaven's Lamb's Book of Life. I've been a professor of Jesus, but not yet a possessor of Jesus. And I need to be saved. Well, while people were leaving, the pastor of that large church got on the microphone and called those that could hear him to come back in. And time made public his profession of faith in Christ and was baptized. But that's not the end of the story. Because Ty was obedient, dear friend, there were ten more people saved at the close of that service, baptized them in their Sunday go to meetings, eked their outfits. Yeah, just give the Lord a big clap offering of praise. He's worthy. But now let's leave the upper room. Would you please go with me to Pilate's Hall for question number two. It is the hour in which one of the two is to be released. It will either be Barabbas or it will be Jesus. Contrary to the opinion of Pilate's wife, even contrary, Brother Dave, to the feelings of Pontius Pilate, when question Whom shall I release? And the crowd cried, Give us Barabbas. He released Barabbas. But then came the question. Question number two. What then shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? Pastor Rob and myself have ample opportunity to share the gospel at Roundup for Jesus Rodeo Revival. And it's not uncommon for either one of the two of us to borrow from this verse and simply encourage our listeners to make sure that they've answered this question correctly. And our motivation behind that is you better answer this question correctly because, listen, your life's short. You better answer this question correctly because eternity can only be yours if you answer this question correctly. And thirdly, you can only miss hell and make heaven when you land on answering this question correctly. What then shall I do with Jesus who is called the Christ? Just about three weeks ago, I had to say good night To the most godly man that I've ever met in my life. Now that's a mouthful. I've met a few. The most godly man I've ever met in my life. I've shook hands with Billy Graham. Three weeks ago I had to say goodnight to the most godly man I've ever met in my life. I've had dinner with Dr. W.A. Criswell. You see, the most godly man I've ever met in my life, I've spoken of on numerous occasions from behind this pulpit. And it's Brother Clayton Hewlett. And Brother Clayton has served as pastor and associate pastor in churches across our state. But past that, 15 years, he and his wife served as career missionaries to Brazil. And upon his passing, I was privileged to be a a part of his funeral service. And there that day, Brother Jesse, he had two of his nephews and one nephew-in-law that spoke. And the first was my good friend Mike, and he began to do a reflection on Clayton's life and how it influenced him, not only to pray, but to be passionate about souls. 
And he talked about how he was privileged to go over in Brazil and be with Brother Clayton and his wife while they were serving there as career missionaries for 15 years. And he said during that stay, they had a missionary retreat. And it was actually a time for them to retreat and refuel and be rejuvenated to go back to the fields that were white and ready into harvest. And during their so-called layoff, suddenly they missed Clayton. Nobody could find Clayton. And so they waited and waited, and three hours later, he came back to the encampment. And they questioned him, where have you been? He said, to a village several miles down the road. And what have you been doing? Telling people about Jesus. I just had the privilege of winning 100 souls to Christ and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then one went on to tell of how when he came back to the States, he was pastoring a little church right on the outskirts of, of Edmond, the old Karchi First Baptist Church. And there was a man that was known for being hard toward God and to refuse and repudiate the good news of Jesus Christ. But it didn't change the fact Brother Clayton targeted him and knew that this blood was for him as well and that this good news gospel message could change his life just as it could anyone else's. And so Brother Hewlett began to press the claims of Christ upon his life and question him, what are you going to do with Jesus who's called the Christ? And every time without fail, the, the guy would be in a rage of anger and almost to the place that he would swing at Brother Hewlett, insisting, leave me alone, leave me alone. But then 2 o'clock early one morning, the Spirit of God awakened Brother Hewlett and said, son, you need to go to that man's home and tell him the good news one more time. Just for Brother Clayton to be submissive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit, dressed, got in his vehicle, drove to that man's home, knocked at the door. He was a little bit surprised but not disappointed. When the man opened the door, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, here's what he said, I was hoping you'd come. And he led him to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, you ought to clap to Jesus. But now that we have been to the upper room and now that we have been to Pilate's Hall, let's leave the city and let's, let's go to a hill called Calvary. Calvary where he was wounded for our transgression and bruised for our iniquity. Let's go to Calvary where the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. By his stripes were healed. Let's go to Calvary where there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins to Calvary, where sinners who plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stay. And the David, they're going to erect three crosses, just as we see on our screen, but there'll be a man on each of the three crosses. On one of the side crosses, there'll be a thief. He will be dying, Brother Bob, in his sin on the cross of rejection. On the other side cross, there'll be another thief. He'll be dying, Brother Jesse, from his sin on the cross of reception. But then on that center cross, <laughs> there is the God-man, the Lord Jesus, as much man as if he's no God at all, as much God as if he's no man at all, not all God, no man, not all man, no God, but the God-man, meaning he's the mediator between fallen man and a holy God. While he hangs on the cross, we listen as he begins his cries, Father, 
forgive them. They know not what they've done. As he looked to his mother and said, Woman, behold thy son to John. And said, Son, behold thy mother. As he looks to a penitent thief and says, Hey, today you'll be with me in paradise. And then he cries, I thirst. And then finally at the 50-yard line of crucifixion comes our third question. My God, my God, Jesus is asking a question, Brother Harold, that he already knows the answer to. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's because God was of pure eyes than to behold iniquity. And ladies and gentlemen, you hear this cowboy of angels when I tell you, I know that we're often talking about the fact that Jesus died for us on the cross. But let me tell you something. He did more than die for us. You say, I know that. He died for our sins. No, He did more than that. He died as our sins. For He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him and in Him alone. But now let's let's land the plane. Let's make our fourth and final stop. Now that we've been to the upper room, now that we've been to Pilate's Hall, now that we've been to Calvary, aren't you grateful that we can go to an empty tomb? Aren't you grateful that we get to go to an empty tomb? Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has been buried. Dear friend, aren't you glad that he was buried in a borrowed tomb because he only needed it for three days? And on the third day, he arose. You come to the 24th chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, and you're going to learn there's two ladies, both by the name of Mary. And they're, they're, they're longing. To minister to the corpse of the Savior. But their longing all stirs up on Saturday. And that happens to be a Jewish Sabbath which forbids them work. And so they have to prolong their mission for all of 24 hours. But then came... Sunday. And as they arrive, they think it's somewhat strange that the stone's been rolled away. Still out of curiosity, they go in to find that Jesus is nowhere to be found. In the midst of their anxieties, the angels of God pay them a visit and offer question number four. Ladies, why seek ye the living among the dead. Remember what he said while he was with you still in Galilee? Listen now, church. He said, Surely the Son of Man must be delivered up to the hands of sinful men to be crucified and to rise again on the third day. And they remembered his words. 
I can't think of anything more important for Christians across the globe in 2021 to be doing than to remember His Word. Surely the Son of Man is to be delivered into the hand of sinful men to be crucified. But remember the rest of the story and to rise again on this the third day. Look at me, listen to me. When we get a hold of that, folks will stop looking for life in all the wrong places. When we get a hold of that, remember His words. Say, folks will cease living their lives according to the wrong power. And thirdly, folks will cease losing their lives for the wrong pursuals. Jesus said, Whosoever would save his life, the same shall lose it. But whosoever would lose his life for my sake and the gospel, the same shall find it. The late and great Corey Tin Boone had just finished mentoring five godly young men. After the fact, she had lost contact with them for an abbreviated time. She bumped in to a man that was a friend to those five young men as well as her. And so out of curiosity and concern, she asked, Have you heard anything about my five boys? And he ducked his head. With a tear in his eye, Brother David, he said, Corey, I'm sorry that I have to inform you. But all five of them were executed for their faith last week. And she wept. But he said, Miss Corey, Miss Corey, there's good from it all because before the fifth one was executed, he asked for a hymnal and he opened it. And Miss Corey, here's what he's saying. Out of my bondage, Sorrow and shame. Jesus, I come. Jesus, I come. Into thy freedom, gladness, and light. Jesus, I come to thee. Out of my sickness, into thy health. Out of my want, and into thy wealth. Out of my sin, and now... Into thyself, Jesus, I come to thee. Let's pray. We bow our heads, close our eyes. Miss Marge begins to play softly our hymn of invitation without any reservations. I can say that Preacher Marty has not kept you too long this morning. From the time we left the runway until we landed the plane, hasn't been more than 25 minutes slipped by. That'd be intentional because I believe on this 
first service of a week of crusade, there is a strong possibility and probability that there's some in the building that have yet to answer the question, what am I going to do with Jesus who's called the Christ correctly? And I believe by now some of you know who you are because the Holy Spirit has put a finger on your heart. And some of you understand that you're needing to do what Sherry and Ed did. Say yes to Christ. Some of you understand, even as lost church members, that you're going to need to do this morning what Ty, the son, did a week ago on Easter Sunday morning. Swallow your religious pride. Admit that you've known about Jesus, but you've never met Him. And make this the morning when you truly repent and ask Him to be the Lord of your life. So what I want to do for you right now is not lead a prayer, but just word a prayer. And if the Spirit of God is calling you to be saved, Pastor Rob's in the house, but you wouldn't need Rob to tell you. You wouldn't even need Evangelist Marty to tell you if the Spirit of God's calling you, you you know you're being called to be saved this morning. And so if that's the case, I'm just going to word the prayer and you let the Holy Spirit that's calling you, you let Him lead you in calling on Jesus to save you today. Here's what you need to say from your heart to the Lord. Just simply start by saying in a whisper, Lord Jesus, I need to be saved. I need to answer that question, what will I do with Jesus who's called the Christ correctly this morning? Because my life is short, my eternity is long, and I can only go to heaven if I do. I need to answer that question correctly this morning because I need you to be my best friend before I get out of here today. So, Lord Jesus, this morning, the first thing I'm doing is I'm admitting to you I've sinned. And I come in repentance. Secondly, Lord Jesus, I believe it with my heart. You died on the cross for my sins. You were buried and you rose from the grave. Now, last but not least, I call on you, Jesus. Would you please make entrance into my life? Would you forgive me and save me, change me, and be my Lord forever? If you made that your prayer, I'll tell you what you're going to want to do right now. You're going to want to thank Him. Just tell Him right where you're seated. If that was your prayer, thank you, Jesus, for saving me today. Brother Rob is standing here at the front, right here in front of the pulpit. Brother Rob's going to be standing here. Brother Rob and myself would like to know that you did that this morning. We're not going to call you out or come to where you're seated, but we want to know that you met the Lord today so we could pray for you in our hearts. Just between you, Rob, myself, and the Jesus that already knows you got saved, would you let Rob and I know that right now? If that was your prayer this morning, would you just look right up here at us for a moment? I did that today. Marty, I did that today, Rob. I knew about Jesus, but today I met Him. Any and all that made that your prayer, would you look right here at Rob? 
When you look, you're telling Rob, when you give him your eyes, that right in front of that, you gave Jesus your heart. I want to say God bless you to those that have looked our way. By now, Rob has seen you, and I've seen you, and more importantly, God's seen you. God's proud of you. You went public with your decision. You didn't just keep it private between you and the Lord. You did the first thing He told you to do after you trusted Him. Confess Him before men. You confessed your decision to Rod, to Rob and to Marty when you looked at us. Now here's what I want to ask you to do. You that have looked, in a moment we're going to stand to our feet. Brother Rob, I'm not going to ask you to give a speech, preach a sermon, even give a testimony. He just wants to pray with you. And I'm going to ask you young men. I'm going to ask you women. I think I've saw at least one lady and I know one young adult man. Maybe others. But if you made that your prayer, I want you to come to Brother Rob when we stand and I began to pray. You don't have to wait till I finish my prayer. I just want you young people and adults alike that ask Christ to come into your heart. When we stand and I began to pray, I want you to head toward Rob. And I'm going to ask secondly... If you're a believer, you probably did pretty well with the first two questions today. How can I know the way? You've lined up with Jesus. I'm the way, truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. You did pretty good with that second question. What then shall I do with Jesus who's called the Christ? You turn back the pages of time. Got your finger on a time when in a place where you trusted Jesus. You answered that question correctly. But, hey, let's go to Calvary. Some of us need to be reminded that Jesus did more than just die for our sin. He died our sin. I wonder if maybe this morning some of us would leave the comfort zone of padded chairs come to the altar of God and just fall before Him and thank Him. Thank Him that He loved us enough to send His Son and fall before God and thank the Lord Jesus that He was willing to be forsaken by His Father that so He would never leave or never forsake those of us that have called upon His name. I wonder if believers would do that and then I wonder How have you been doing with that final question? Why seek ye the living among the dead? We're having revival this week. And if revival comes, it will come through the heart of the church, the people of God. For revival to come in and through and from our lives. Listen to me, church. We need to make sure we take a trip to Calvary this morning for cleansing. Then we go to the vacant tomb. We tap into our source of conquest. That's resurrection power. I wonder what God might do in this crusade if just dear men of this church, women of this church, students of this church would come and get on their face before God. And that together we just say, Lord, we're coming to Calvary for your cleansing. We're coming to your empty tomb for a fresh infilling. Would you obey the Lord as believers? Would you come to these altars? And for those that prayed to receive Christ, you won't have to come alone. The church will lead your way to the altar. And when you get here, if you prayed to ask Christ in your life, you'll see Brother Rob or you'll see Brother Dave. 
or you'll see Brother Trenton. They'll all three be standing here at the front. But the church will lead the way to the altar. I'm confident they'll do that for us. As we stand to our feet and I begin to pray, you can start this way right now. Turn loose at the back of the seat that you're holding on to you right in front of you. Excuse yourself to the nearest aisle. Church, we ought to be leading the way. Father God, I thank you for these that have been saved this morning. I pray that you'll bless Pastor as he advises them, counsels them. You'll bless Trenton, you'll bless Dave as they too perhaps advise or counsel them. And you bless, Lord, as your church responds, coming to Calvary and then on to the tomb, to no cleansing and to no conquest in resurrection power. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You come as God leads. And oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. Oh, the blood of Jesus. It washes white as snow. Won't you come? It'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. It'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. It'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. In Calvary's crimson tide. And oh, your blood. Lord Jesus, oh, your blood, Lord Jesus, and oh, your blood, Lord Jesus, it washes white as snow, it'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. It'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. It'll wash, it'll wash all your sins away. In Calvary's crimson tide, oh, your blood, sing it now. Oh, your blood, Lord Jesus. Oh, your blood. Lord Jesus, oh, your blood, Lord Jesus. You may be seated. Anthony, come. I got to talk to Anthony. Anthony said he's come forward before. And I said, only you can know if the time before done it and Anthony said I come because I want to make sure in other words Anthony staked down his salvation and I said and that name one more time and I was wanting his one more time but he looked at me and said Jesus so he gave me the right name said that is the name above all names and he's the one that wrote your name he said Anthony 
Aren't you glad His name is Jesus and He's the only one that can write your name in the Lamb's book of life. So thank the Lord Jesus. And then, oh we He stopped by. And he said, I've been fighting it for a long time. But I give in today. And let me just tell you, I walked in late today. You know, I wasn't in no hurry. I stopped it to come and go, spoke to a few people, fueled up. Because I know the preaching would be taken care of, but I didn't want to miss the invitation. I stood right back there beside that men's bathroom. I looked across this crowd. On that back row, I couldn't figure out. You know, most of you, I know you from the front, the side, and the back. I spotted old Rockstar Junior immediately. But there was a person back there in the back. I couldn't figure out who he was, so I kept moving and cheating. It was you, Isaac. I was trying to figure out who you was. Why did I say Isaac when I'm talking about Heath? Because that's a teammate of Trent. Heath was a teammate of Trenton's. And while Trenton was on that team, we tried our best to let our light shine. You know, you so want those teammates in church, you so want those teammates to be saved. And Trenton graduated 50, 60 years ago, I think. Maybe it was just six. But it sure has been fun to watch those ex-classmates and ex-teammates. I guess they'll always be teammates and always be classmates. Can I remove the ex? It's been neat to watch those classmates and those teammates walk in here at Exciting Southeast. But it makes it real special to see them walk the aisle. Amen. Now, I want to share two things before we close. When we left Locust Grove to head to Shodo, I was a little bit concerned about taking a young man into a different school. And let me tell you what my second concern, Trenton, he's got that smile, he's got that he'll fit in. But I was concerned about the one guy who I didn't know who he was. You ready for this? I wasn't 100% sure, but I was pretty sure Trenton was going to get somebody's spot. And so is there going to be one guy that resents Trenton Pierce coming from Locust Grove to Shodo? See, my mind works different. I was, always, I was already praying for that one person that just might Resent Trenton Pierce. So I just kind of like black leg vaccine, Brother James. If you wait till you get black leg and you cattle, you're too late. I began to pray for that one person, although I didn't know who he was. I'm still not 100% sure who it was, but I think it was that guy that just walked the aisle. 
And the first night that Heath was there, he come and told me, I'm sure glad your boy come over here to help us. But I'm more tickled about what Heath done this morning. That is good stuff. Amen. Had more knee surgeries than I have. But man, he had the main surgery today, and that was heart surgery. The Lord Jesus done that. Amen. I'm going to close with this, and it's just going to be telling you what happened at 8 o'clock service. The invitation was given. I was standing there. Her name's Sue Ritchie. She got out of the third row. She walked straight to me. Now, I knew about two months ago she prayed the prayer of salvation, and she's a change lady, and she hadn't missed. But she come in the invitation. So I says to Sue, I said, Sue, now you come a few months ago for salvation. Yes, I did. I said, but you come this morning. I said, a few months ago, what happened? And here's what she said. I got saved a few months ago and I have absolutely no doubts about getting saved a few months ago. So my second question was this. Sue, why did you come today? Eighteen years as a pastor. I've heard this maybe twice, maybe three times. Here's what she said. I've heard the opposite. A lot in 18 years. What's the opposite? You'll figure out what she says when I tell you the opposite. I've had people come and say, please pray that I can quit crying. I've heard the opposite. Pray that I can quit hurting. Pray that God will take my pain. I've heard that a lot. But Sue, I said, why would you come? She said, I come, I want you to pray that God will make me cry. I've not cried since my husband passed away. I'm going to ask you if you'll pray that God will break my heart. Now the reason I share what happened at the 8 o'clock service with you Because I believe that was a message just as important as the message Marty preached to us going into revival meetings. I think every one of us need to pray that prayer. God, we're headed into revival meetings and I'm needing you to cause me to cry. God, we're headed into revival meetings and I'm needing you to break my heart. See, what happened is this preacher this morning does what this preaching often does and he shares testament, which is the Word of God, right? And right behind his first two points, he come back and shared testimonies of a Christian and of a Clayton Hewlett. Okay? I got to travel to Missouri, farthest to the north, central Texas, back to northern Missouri. And all week long, you know what I've been doing? Whether it be in a restaurant, whether it be in a bullpen, whether it be in an auction barn, or whether it be at a gas station, you know what I've been getting to do? 
share the testament, the Word of God. And then right behind it, share a testimony. Whether that be one of you folks that lost a child. That I was speaking to somebody that I'd never saw before. Come on, that's just what I do. It doesn't matter if I'm behind a pulpit. It doesn't matter if I'm in a, in a, in a pen with four bulls that somebody's looking at. I get to share the testament. And right behind it, a testimony. Whether it be mine or whether it be one of yours. I love to do that. So that message she preached this morning, the testament. You ready for it? God will not forget a broken and a contrite spirit. Ready for the testament? Those who sow in tears shall reap with joy. Those who continually go forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. What does the Bible say about them? You out there sowing with tears? You'll doubtless come again. And tears of sadness will turn to joy because you can stand with those that your tears have reached the heart of God and the heart of those people. So the testament is we need broken hearts. We need wet eyes. And we need them over souls that are lost and undone. You know any? We need those tears and that broken heart not only over souls that are lost and undone, but sins that are unconfessed. So you want to help out and do your part in the revival meetings? Pray the prayer that Sue Ritchie prayed this morning. Break my heart, God, for what breaks yours. Wetting my eyes with tears. She knows there's a problem when the eyes are dry. Amen. I hope you'll pray for wet eyes. I hope, hope you'll pray for a broken heart. And I hope that because the testament's going to be shared right behind it, we can share testimonies that come from it. Man, I pray that as you pray for a broken heart and wet eyes, that then you'll follow it up with your presence under that tent. And all God's people said, Amen. God is good. And we need broken hearts for what breaks the heart of God. Don't forget, 5 o'clock, we're going to feed you physically. Right behind that, Brother Marty, Sister Marge will feed us spiritually. And I received a text on the way over here. We got some that's wanting to be baptized in the creek. I'm not exactly sure when that will take place. I said to them by way of text, just let me know so I'll be there. Amen. So listen, we're headed into revival meetings. And my prayer is when we head into them with wet eyes and a broken heart, we'll come out of the revival's meetings headed straight into revival. Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. Break our hearts for what breaks yours. Thank you for the salvations here today. Anthony, thank you for Heath. Such a special guy in our lives as the Pierce family. Thank you for his soul being saved this morning. Father, we just lift up our revival services to you in the sweet and the powerful name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. God bless. Hope to see you tonight.